Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of the Masterclass. This is our very first show on the new podcast network, Super Megacorp, and I am Cam, still the same, haven't changed my name, and of course I am joined by my good, good, good friend, Mr. Dave Hogue. How you doing, man? I'm very well. I'm very excited about episode 53 yeah, tonight. Yeah, we're, we're both kind of jazzed. I can feel it in the air. <laughs> There's just an electricity about this episode, so... Well, if you uh, if you are listening, that means that you have successfully found the new podcast feed because the old one is dead. <laughs> you can still the website's still there, um, but if you found this, you don't you don't care about that because you have moved on to the new feed. We are part of the network, and we are trudging ahead, and we're really excited about it. Yes, I mean this is so. this 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 uh. What's what I'm looking for here? Oh my gosh. This <laughs> fills out the roster of shows on the network for now. There's a few ideas for other shows in the future, but you know, we just started, so maybe we should just be okay with five because we we all have day jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're here, we're excited, and this is episode fifty three, and I think we're just gonna dive right into it unless you've got anything that you want to add first, Dave. You know, uh, the only thing I wanna add is this kind of started with Kim and I talking about uh, what Jesus said and how it applies our, to our lives today, and uh, some of the other podcasts deal with characters and movies, baseball, things that Cam finds neat. Um, and I, you know, it's it's I I wholeheartedly believe that um, our experience here on this earth and the things that we uh, encounter. Um, are centered and focused, foundational on the scriptures and what Jesus said. But I, I truly believe that Jesus cares about things like baseball and uh, desires for us to enjoy those things in a way that glorifies him. And so uh, there's a wide range of topics that you're going to find on uh, supermegacorp.net. And while they may not focus on Jesus per se, uh, I think they're very much topics that glorify him. And um, as Christians, I do believe that we are um, supposed to be engaged in the world that we live in. We're not supposed to ignore that. And uh, that's the heart behind many of the other shows that we have uh, that maybe aren't so... Christ-centered and Christ-focused in terms of what you hear us talking about, um, but uh, ultimately that's what matters, and whether it's baseball or movies or technology or whatever it is, uh, we all can we, we consider all those things blessings from Him, and that's why we do what we do. So, yes, thank sir. you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Great transition there, Dave. Very professional. Uh, well, you got a long one to read here. Do you need to take a deep breath before we go? <laughs> sure. All right. So we are going to begin with Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. And uh, this is from uh, the ESV uh, version of the Bible. And very good translation. So I like, I like this one. Yes. My wife recently bought me a, uh, an actual uh, Bible. That is ESV, and I have uh, begun oh. to embrace it from my uh, 
my previous uh, NIV background. So, okay, so here we go. Matthew 22 through verse 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw uh, him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Thank you. Yep. Okay, first two silly comments, then we can be serious. Okay. <laughs> uh, when, when they say, it's a ghost, all I hear in my head is, all these Jewish guys in their robes and tunics and, and beards and stuff in a boat, and then 80s, you know, pop music, it just makes me crack. Like, if there's, if there's a, a Christian satire movie to be made, that scene has to be in there. Uh, and then secondarily, um, if you see something and say, oh, it's a ghost, why would you then turn around and say, command me to come to you on the water? That sounds like an absolutely terrible idea. This is true. Because if it's a ghost, it's probably trying to kill you. So why would you put yourself in the water? That just seems silly. But, it does seem silly. All right. Now that I've gotten my, <laughs> my, my, my own silliness out of the way, let's, uh, let's jump into the questions. And I think that top one is uh, yours, sir. It is mine. And so um, this is one of the things for me personally that um, when I initially began in, in ministry, I believed that I was an extrovert. And part of the reason I believed I was an extrovert was because of uh, the nature of ministry requires us to kind of be engaging in people and all that sort of thing. And over the last decade or so, um, I've come to the conclusion that I am very much an introvert. Word. I can engage people. Uh, I don't mind being in front of a crowd. But ultimately, um, I get my energy, or I get rejuvenated from time alone, not from being with other people. And so I personally kind of took a little, like, sort of, uh, rejoicing in the fact that uh, Jesus needed a time alone as well. That um, he had been with this crowd, he had been with a bunch of people, and there's this kind of sense of, he took the disciples and he said, go, you guys head on ahead of me, and I'm going to take a little bit of time for myself. And so <clears throat> for all those, excuse me, for all those introverts that are out there, um, Rejoice in the fact that uh, Jesus also needed time alone. You are not alone. Yes. Yeah, I, I read that and I, I had to laugh out loud a little bit because 
uh, for anyone who knows me. It, I think it's painfully obvious that that I'm an introvert. I play extrovert well, just like Dave, you know. Both of us being ex-youth pastors, you kind of have to be that way when you are um, with students and with parents and, and that sort of stuff. But And that's not to say that we were faking our our care or our love or our desire to see these people, you know, come to a full life in Christ. It's just, we are not always amped. Yeah. And, you know, when you're with middle schoolers and high schoolers, there has to be a certain level of engagement. Otherwise they're going to do other stuff, you know? Um, and so it is, it is nice to know that yes, Jesus made time. And I think that's the key point here is he made time. He sent his disciples on without him. So instead of spending time with them, he said it is more important for me at this point to spend time by myself and with God than it is to spend more time with these people that are going to build my church. Which is, you know, in the in the grand scheme of decisions to make, that's a huge one. It's not like, oh, I'm not going to watch another episode of How I Met Your Mother because I want to <laughs> spend time with Jesus. Like, that's that's really not much of a sacrifice, right? But here he is making a sacrifice of spending time with the disciples, the people that are going to spread the gospel and build the church in a relatively tough environment. And he chose at that point to spend time by himself and with God and not with those folks. And I think that's a, a, um, should be a glaring example that it's okay to spend time by yourself and with God. In fact, it is a worthwhile endeavor to do so and to not do other good or great things if you, uh, in order to make sure that you are spending time alone and with God so that when it is time to go do those other things, your foundation is strong. And that is certainly something that I struggle with big time. And I like spending time alone, but usually when I spend time by myself, I'm working on the podcasts or I'm watching soccer because I just want to veg out and I just, and I love soccer. I love the game. I think it's beautiful. Um, but rarely am I taking time out of my day and making time to say, no, I'm going to go spend time with God. I try and squeeze it in here and there, but rarely, especially in the last year or so, am I dedicating chunks of my time to spending with God. And so I read that and I was like, yeah. And then you started talking. I was like, oh no, what conviction, go away. Stop it. Stop it. I don't like the way that feels, but it's true, you know? And if I feel like if I'm going to sit here and say it's a good idea, then I need to come clean and say that, yeah, it's a really good idea. I just suck at executing it. Um, so there's, there's my Frank answer. <laughs> yeah. And, and the one for me personally that I've been dealing with lately is, is, um, when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm kind of awake. That's and the worst. Yes. Well, and, and, and what is my focus on? If I wake up in the middle of the night, my focus is, is like, what do I do to have to fall asleep so I get the full time of sleep that I need? And I've just been very much convicted lately that if I wake up in the middle of the night and I am awake and my mind is kind of racing and I'm thinking about a lot of things, um, I've just sort of had the sense of God sort of saying, hey, here's your opportunity. You're alone with me. There's not really anything else that you can do. Yeah. Why not take that time and pray with me and uh, pray to me, pray with me, 
And so that's um, uh, one of the things that I've, I've tried to do. I've tried to take those moments of uh, in the middle of the night when I wake up to, uh, to pray for my kids, to pray for my family. And um, <clears throat> while I believe, excuse me, I keep doing that tonight. Um, reading my reading my word when reading the word of God whenever I can, um, and that um, can be done with my Bible. Or uh, one of the things that I realize is um, it's actually very easy to pick up my phone and in the dark go to my Bible app and read my Bible. Yeah, and not Twitter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's keep rolling here. Okay. Uh, so this was my next question: mm-hmm. walking on water. Why? I have many many thoughts about it. It just seems one. It seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to make a point, and and you know, we can get to that in a minute. But the healing of people. Uh, the the feeding of the five and the four thousand, which we skipped over, um, in between last episode and this episode, uh, you know, turning water into wine, like all of these, you know, miracles that that are recorded in the gospels for us. Those are all like, oh yeah, he's God. He he should heal people. He should feed people. But walking on water seems a bit showboaty to me. I and I guess what I'm gonna have to say is, is I completely agree with you. <laughs> This this is one of those things where I'm just like, why? What's the point? Why, why? Uh, you know, like you said, why walking on water? Um, why send the boat out ahead of you only to walk on the water to catch up with them? So, um, I I have a handful of things, particularly when it comes to the New Testament, where I'm kind of like, why did God do things this way? And this is definitely one of those stories that falls under that sort of like, I don't get it. Like uh, on kind of service reading of this particular story, this seems weird to me. Because not only does it seem odd to walk on water, but as he's approaching the boat, clearly the people in the boat are kind of freaked out by the whole experience. And so why would you freak out the people that, that have chosen to follow you. Why? So, well, here's, here's what I've decided. The disciples should never get into a boat with Jesus because when they do (laughs) crazy things happen, (laughs) that is probably accurate. The last time he was asleep and they were thinking they were going to, you know, go under and then everything's fine. And again, here, when he gets in the boat, the wind stops. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm thinking at this point, I am never getting in a boat with this man ever. I'm just not doing it because, you know, it's just, it's a freaky experience. Uh, so I have a couple thoughts on, on on why walking on water, and these are just pure opinion and speculation. So, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong or say something stupid, um, you know, please forgive me. Um, I think, all right, let me, let me put it this way. He he goes away definitely to get alone time, and he sends the disciples on ahead of time. But if you notice in the passage, it says that the wind and the waves had beaten the boat back, so they didn't they didn't go out to the middle of the lake on purpose. Mm-hmm. They they tried, and at some point they probably just said, "Ah, forget it. Like we're we're beating a dead horse here. Let's just we'll go out. We'll come back and get him in the morning." 
I don't think that they necessarily went out to the middle of the lake because they wanted to. I think now granted they were fishermen, so they should have, you know, been able to handle a boat. So maybe that argument is not the strongest, but anyways, um, so it is possible that, that that was the case. Um, secondarily, if I'm Jesus and I want to be with my disciples after pushing them away and I'm also God walking on water probably doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Cause why not? <laughs> I can do it. Why, yeah. why, why wouldn't I? I mean, they're out there. I'm here. I don't want to wait. So I'll just walk out there. Um, but then second or thirdly, and that's my third point. The story ends in a lesson about faith right? in the face of pure uncertainty. Water is liquid. I am solid. Therefore, I cannot stand on it, right? Mm-hmm. Physics, physics declares that this is not a thing that you can do. Uh, and so I, I think the, the culmination of, of Jesus wanting to be with his disciples uh, he also being God and not thinking that walking on water is a weird thing to do. And thirdly, it provides a great uh, word picture of what what and who God is and what and who we are and the differences between us and what faith can do to lessen that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, but even after all of that, it still seems crazy <laughs> that he would choose to do it that way. And well- and and I guess that's where I land is it is it does seem crazy because he doesn't seem to do a lot of this kind of stuff with his disciples, at least in terms of what we have in the gospel record, Jesus interacting with his disciples. He doesn't do a lot of just sort of like off the wall kind of like, why are you doing this kind of stuff? And this is, to me, is very much one of those moments of, you know, he didn't like day in, day out, walk on water with his disciples. And here it is. It's it for, from uh, the little bit of research that I did. Uh, the fourth watch, it's probably three o'clock in the morning or somewhere around there. When nothing good ever happens as well, you would know. Yes, I do know that nothing, <laughs> happen, nothing good happens after midnight. And so, so yeah, I, I am wholeheartedly a part of the um, Jesus can use anything to glorify himself and to make a point and to to have a lesson, but it, it does just kind of smack of this sort of like, you are kind of going with the extreme. You are going with the, uh, you know, extraordinary uh, when it doesn't seem like it's completely necessary. So. Um, one of the things I, you know, is, is I read this, if I'm, if I'm trying to, um, trying to, to, to bring some logic to it or coming back to it. Um, but even as I'm sitting here saying this, I, I just, it's like, why did he even have to send them out? You know, why did he just say, wait here on the shore for me and then we'll go across together? It truly seems odd to me. Uh, for him to walk on the water and to meet the disciples in the middle, middle of the lake. Yeah. Well, I guess that one's going to have to be left. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unresolved. Unresolved mysteries. Jesus walks on water. <laughs> Why? But hey, listeners, if you have thoughts on this particular topic, um, 
let us know what you think because clearly Dave and I could use some direction here. Um, so you can let us know on Twitter. Dave is at 10.8HBO and I'm at Cam Brennan. You can email us at hello at supermegacorp.net because guess what, Dave? I'm not too cheap for paying for email anymore. <laughs> I'm a big boy now. Oh, I pay for wow. it. Yeah. Mm, branded email. We are, <laughs> we are big shots. Or I'm just wasting money. I haven't quite decided yet. but I guess time will tell. Yeah. Anyhow, um, let's move on. Okay. From that uh, shameless plug there. All right, so up next, uh, we asked, is there significance to Peter calling out to Jesus before he got out of the boat? Uh, yeah, in Peter, if you look at him throughout Scripture, he his kind of M.O. is that he's the guy that takes the risk. He's the guy that sort of like, um, he's willing to kind of fire aim, ready, fire aim. Yes. PepsiCo. Isn't that what PepsiCo's? I have no idea. Yeah. I think PepsiCo says ready, fire aim. (laughs) It's a clever turn of phrase. Um, but yeah, he just has a sense of, he doesn't really know what his actions are going to ultimately lead to. But he just kind of has this reckless abandonment of uh, believing that Jesus is who he is and has a sense of, uh, Lord, I'm going to do what doesn't really make sense. And the other disciples are not that way. I mean, this is, this is, Peter is definitely that guy uh, amongst the disciples. And so, um, as I looked at this, there's kind of this sense of, even though uh, Peter tends to be that guy that takes the risk, kind of does the um, untraditional way of doing things, in this moment, uh, there's a difference between him just simply taking a risk and acknowledging God and kind of saying, Lord, um, I want to step out of the boat. But before I do so, I'm going to throw out there that I want you to acknowledge that this is what I should do or kind of validate me in this moment of stepping out of the boat. And so um, I guess for me, there's, there's kind of an element of uh, we shouldn't just do things for the sake of uh, testing God, but doing things in a manner that that says, I want to show my faith, I want to be vulnerable, but in my vulnerability and in my willingness to step out in faith, I want to acknowledge that you are God and that I shouldn't take my risk until I have confirmation from you that this is what you want me to do. And so um, I, I, I truly believe that that Peter in his just sort of impulsiveness um, realizes that, Hey, here's a moment where I shouldn't be completely impulsive before I do anything. I want to put God first. I want to say, I'm going to act. If you acknowledge that this is what I should do. And so I, I, I feel like there's kind of a, a, 
an application for us and how we respond to God and what He's asking us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, it, it sort of follows that saying that just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's an interesting line of thought to apply to our relationship with God and the actions that he may or may not want us to do. Like, for example, we could all sell all of our belongings and go be missionaries in India and Africa. That does not mean that God has called all of us to do so. That does not mean that, you know, those that go are better Christians than those that stay. It just means that God has us where he has us for reasons. And um, just because we could do something that we think might honor God may not necessarily be the thing that we need to do without first confirming or inquiring of God about that. Um, so I, that that is a complete... Um, let me rephrase. I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that when I read it, so... I'm processing what you just said as <laughs> as we we talk here. Um I still I personally still can't get over. Hey, it's a ghost. No, I'm the Lord. Okay, can I come out to you? Like how he really must be impulsive and and a bit, you know, uh like I'm sure if the X games were around back then, he'd have been part of them. Um just seems like one of those types of people. Uh and so I'm still trying to wrap my my mind around that train of thought. Um but I also think it you get a glimpse of how great Peter's belief was. And then in the very next moment, how quickly that can change. Yes. And, and that is mirrored by, uh, you know, uh, in the garden when Peter's, or was it the, the, the uh, last supper where Peter's all gung ho about, they're never going to take you down without me or whatever. And then all of a sudden he's, denying Christ three times. So he has this very, he's super gung-ho, but he has follow-through just sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think, as as you said, that's a theme in his life and uh, perhaps something that that I can um, learn from is that, you know, it doesn't, if your, your intentions can be pure, right? But if your follow-through and your actions aren't it doesn't really matter it doesn't change you still wind up in the same spot right Right. and and that i think is what a lot of what jesus is teaching in the gospels is that the process and um being true to yourself and to god and you know uh the part where he says um would that you were hot or cold and not lukewarm like to me, someone whose intentions are pure but whose actions aren't—they're lukewarm, right? There's, there's, they're, they're, they're um, meddling in hypocrisy a bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone whose intentions aren't pure and actions aren't okay, they're cold. And someone whose intentions are pure and actions are—they're hot, right? But if you're stuck in that middle, where like you want to do good stuff but you just don't really do it or you can't follow through, that's kind of when God's like, just pick a side. Come on, <laughs> um, and that's that's a very interesting thing for me to try and, and think through in my life. Uh, kind of scary too. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I will say personally that I am grateful for Peter 
because I can relate to that. There's very much this piece of me that it's like, okay, Lord, I will do whatever. Uh, you know, I can't imagine doing anything but sticking by your side and sticking up for you and being your advocate in the world. And then this sort of like, okay, when the rubber meets the road, it's not as easy as what I perceived in my brain. Yeah. Ideology is awesome when it's in your head and it sucks when it's in real life. Yeah. And so I, I am grateful for, for, for Peter, this person that um, very much loved the Lord, was in a relationship with him, uh, physically lived in an existence where he could see Jesus and what he was doing and was like, I'm sold out for you. Um, because that's what I do. I'm like, God, I want to live my life for you. I want to be sold out for you. I want to glorify you. And then in practical application, I fall short time and time again. And um, I can relate to Peter. Um, I don't, I don't know that I would ever step out of the boat and try to walk on the water uh, we can try it this summer. We could try this, summer. <laughs> uh, but I'm I, I'm just I'm grateful for his example, uh, the reality of who he is, because there's this disconnect between, and particularly in the world that we live in, we're very much in the created world, uh, finite world uh, that is not heaven. It's not the eternity that we're ultimately designed for, where. Uh, what I desire to do and what I actually do, uh, there is a disconnect. And um, I'm grateful that we serve a, a God that is gracious in those kinds of things and gives us forgiveness and knows that our heart and our desires to do one thing and that our sinful fallen nature may actually result in us doing something uh, completely different than what we desire to do. And... Uh, I, I think this leads kind of into our um, next question there of, you know, why do we doubt? You know, Peter stepped out of that boat. He was walking on water, and he got to this point where he wasn't walking on water, and he began to sink, and he cried out to Jesus, and he said, help me, my words. And uh, Jesus said to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? So why does doubt? kind of enter into the picture for all of us well i don't know um but but what i find interesting is that uh and then peter began to sink and he cried out lord save me then it says jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him you weren't that far away if he could just reach, yeah, his, he could hand reach out. his hand out so like the really really hard part stepping out of the boat walking towards him not a problem when you get really close to him that's when the doubt kicks in that Again, it boggles me. I don't understand. I would think at that point I would be holding on for like a bear hugging him. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. Okay, great. Uh, so that part I, I don't understand. Um, but why doubt? Um, here, here's my, my thoughts on doubt and, and perhaps, not perhaps, definitely why I uh, doubt things in life is that Everything that I read in the Bible and that I experience, you know, uh, with God in my life feels great, right? Uh, 
I I know that it's true. I have evidence in my life that it is true. I I know scripture very well. I have read it. It makes sense to me. It stands the test of time. It stands the test of uh, proof as far as manuscripts and accuracy is concerned. They never found Jesus's body. Like all of that stuff, right? It all works for me, and I don't have a problem with that. But what what happens when I doubt? is when what I see in the world clashes with what I see in Scripture. And, and, and I don't mean contradicts. I mean clashes when I see you know, good people suffering, when I see bad people succeeding, when I see uh, you know, acts like terrorist attacks and sh- school shootings and you know, the beheadings of Christians by ISIS, uh, the the conflict that lies in the world between Christians and Muslims and atheists and 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 political drama. And, and when I see all of just this nasty stuff, and then I go back to Scripture, and God assures me that, you know, there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I'm the Lord and judgment will be had, that that isn't always enough for me. And then I just start to think, you know, just what if this is just a really, 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 really good story and it's all BS because what I see in the world is a bunch of garbage and it that so that 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 is is where my doubt comes in is when when what I see in the world causes such um, pain or confusion. Um, that I can kind of get, okay, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe this is a really good story. And I, you know, I got hoodwinked. So that, that's what I struggle with, um, doubt wise. So I don't know, maybe, I, I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with that, but. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things I was sharing with Cam, uh, before we just, we talked this week, uh, before we came on the podcast was um, I had a conversation with a friend at work who is a Mormon and uh, it was very uh, a similar situation for me where it's kind of like, I know what I believe and I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is fully God, that he was uh fully man. He came into this earth and he died for our sins and, was crucified and rose again. But as I talked to her and I heard about some of the things that she was saying, uh, and she very much believes that God speaks to her. And what she was describing to me and the way God speaks to her matched what I feel like I hear from God when he speaks to me. And so uh, the, the doubt that came into to, for me was, well, which one of us is right, you know? And, and if, if what I'm describing is God speaking to me is very similar to someone who believes differently than me, um, then how do I know that God is really speaking to me? And so um, I went back to Scripture, and, and I spent time with God and, and, and asked Him to reveal Himself to me, which uh, I truly feel like He did. But... 
I do know that she very much believes what she believes. And uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I would simply say when it comes to uh, those of us who consider ourselves Christians and followers of Christ and someone who might be in the Mormon Church um, or the Church of Latter Church of Latter Day Saints, uh, somebody that's Mormon does not believe that Jesus and God are one and the same. Uh, they believe that uh, Jesus is lesser than God, uh, that Jesus and Satan are brothers, that you and I as human beings are striving to be like Jesus, so that when we that so that when we does so that when we die, I can't talk tonight, so that when we die. Um, we go on to become our own God, and we populate our own earth in the same way that Jesus populated his own earth. How did Jesus populate his own earth? Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus and Adam are one and the same person. Jesus and Adam? Jesus and Adam are one and the same. And Jesus and Satan are brothers. So Jesus is responsible for the fall of his own world, and then comes back <laughs> to save it. That sounds like a really bad movie. Well... And then we're all supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to all strive to be better. Sounds like Catholicism. Yeah. It, I, I need to well, stop talking. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But ultimately what it comes down to is that, um, you know, there are certain topics that I'm, I'm willing to die for. And I'm willing to die for the fact that Jesus is 100% God. Mm-hmm. He was not a great man that strived to that point. Uh, the second thing that, that for me, um, in all of this is that I am dependent on his grace to forgive me. I have absolutely no ability within myself to save myself. And we're dependent on him to forgive us of our sins, to die for our sins and, uh, to rely on him. So I guess ultimately what I'm saying is, is that it's very interesting when you talk with somebody who believes similar to what we believe in terms of who Jesus is and what he did for us, that um, uh, it, 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 doubt, can, doubt can enter in. You can begin to question uh, what you're hearing, particularly when you deal with somebody that's saying, this is my personal testimony, this is what I've experienced, uh, kind of thing, in that... Um, our testimony is very important in our Christian faith, but ultimately we need to come back to Scripture. And what did Jesus say about who he was? Who does he say who God is? Who does he say who the Holy Spirit is? And that uh, relying too much on how we feel uh, can be very dangerous. We need to come back to the facts of what our Christian faith is. And again, I, I believe that feeling our own testimony has a very important place. Um, but I acknowledge that it can be easily, it can be easy to get caught up into that confusion and that doubt about what is it that I really believe uh, when you encounter somebody that... Um, has similar beliefs to what we have, but then they distort that truth. And uh, the importance of knowing Scripture and relying on Scripture and seeking God and asking Him to reveal Himself to us in a way that 
helps us to understand who he is. So, yeah, doubt. Doubt is a part of, of our Christian journey, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think that it's, it is a, or an example of us not being built for our current existence, right? We have this, this aching need for what God offers in the world that is around us doesn't offer that. And it can, it can cause us to be like, Oh, you know, this just, for whatever reason, this, this circumstance, this situation is, is causing me to wonder if this is all that it's really cracked up to be. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's important and vital to uh, to use the old phrase, wrestle with your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, to the point that, that we have made over and over again, is that Dave and I both think that Christianity is a thinking faith. It is not for idiots. You know, uh, God gave us intellect, and God gave us reason and logic and philosophy and emotions to try and work through the reality that we live in. And part of trying to understand why things are the way they are, like, why did God leave us in charge? That seems like a terrible idea. (laughs) But he did. And that is one of the things that causes doubt in me as I look around and I realize people don't know what they're doing. It's the blind leading the blind. And, you know, the, the whole job of of parents is to try and instill what they have figured out in their time to be good and right in their kids so that their kids' kids or their grandkids have a better shot at having a good life, right? It's this whole idea that we do our best for posterity because we're trying to build on top of what the people before us did correctly and incorrectly. Um, And that just seems ridiculous to me. (laughs) Yes. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred things which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to verse 16 and 17, which is one of my favorite verses to learn that all scripture is God-breathed. But I guess for me, the point of this is, is that um, we need to uh, be rooted in Scripture and remember that there are those who are going to deceive. They're going to uh, twist, twist Scripture in a way that, uh, convince, that uh, conveys the message uh, that they want to convey. But ultimately, our salvation is in Jesus Christ, and that we need to rely on Him and uh, focus on Him 
and that uh, he is the one who has given us um, the word. And while there's a whole lot of other things that are going to come in and confuse us, if we commit ourselves to knowing scripture, learning scripture, and focusing on that, um, we will be able to defend our faith on what we believe. Um, and so regardless of whatever version you may find uh, most useful for you, uh, it is very important to, uh, in addition to prayer, to be focused on Scripture and knowing what God tells us about who He is and how He impacts our lives and how He has an influence. Uh, God very much is involved in what we do and how we live. He is not a passive God that, uh, what is it, the deist that believes? The time winder. The God wound up the clock and he let it go. No, he's very much involved in what we do today. And if we seek him uh, and ask him to show up, he is very gracious and he will do that for us. Most definitely. Well, any other thoughts? Uh, I guess my, my, my final thought is is that um, doubt is okay, uh, regardless of, of, of where you are in your faith. Doubt is okay. Uh, the way that we um, deal with doubt is to go to Scripture. Uh, the way we deal with doubt is to um, engage in a Christian community that believes the Word of God. And so I would encourage anybody that's out there uh, listening to the podcast to be a part of a a uh, Christian community, a local church that is Bible-believing, that seeks His Word, and that um, when we have those doubts, in addition to going to Scripture, uh, we should have a community that we can engage with that will help us kind of keep our focus on Christ, on who he is and what he has done for us. And that um, you should never, ever be defeated by doubt. Uh, hopefully it is one of those things for you that, that uh, strengthens your faith in Jesus and um, causes you to lean into him and what he has for us. And that uh, ultimately, if we do that and trust in him, he's going to show up and he's going to show us who he is um, because he is a, an active participant in history and not simply somebody that just sort of left us to our own means. And um, yeah, get engaged with the Bible, get engaged with the Christian community and um, don't try to go it alone. <laughs> See, what I was about to just say is, I agree, but what you might also <laughs> want to do is go be alone. Absolutely. So going it alone and being alone are two, two different things. That is true. They're very uh, true. Very, 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 very true. Very, different things. Um, but I think to, to bring this full circle to what Jesus did at the beginning of the passage is to go, if you're feeling doubt, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling unsure, uh, if you're feeling uneasy about life, about God about the truth of scripture is to just go be by yourself where you're not, you're not distracted by naysayers. You're not, 
um, you know, caught up in the whirlwind of everyday life. You can just go be in the world that God created. You know, if you if you can get to a lake, if you can get to forest, if you can get to mountains or beach, if you can just get somewhere that reminds you of the beauty of the world that we live in, then chances are it's going to help center you on the fact that this world was created. You know, this the, throughout Scripture, especially in the Psalms, they, they, they describe the beauty and the majesty of the world and how it reflects God and the stars and the sun and the moon and all of that stuff. And, and if you're anybody or if you're somebody who who connects with nature because of the beauty and the diversity and the majesty of the whole, you know, biosphere that we live in, then maybe in the midst of your doubt, getting away for a few hours or a day might be what you need to help kind of refocus you on really what's going on and where you stand in all of it. Um, certainly don't forego Christian community. Certainly don't forego spending time in scripture. But if you are somebody that connects with God through just the beauty of the world, that may be a really good option for you if you can swing it. I know, you know, life is crazy, but guess what? Sometimes you got to make room for what's most important. Absolutely. You know, and we live in Kansas, so mountains and beaches and oceans <laughs> and forests and lakes are just so abundant. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Central everything. Eight hours from everything. <laughs> it's a geographical oddity, Dave. All right. All right. Are we good? I think is we're that good. it? That's Should it. Should I tie a bow on it? No, I think we'll let Jesus do that. Oh Lord. Okay. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your listenership. I know that you're all going to stop listening now. Um, this has been episode 53 of the Masterclass. Uh, if you are interested in show notes, you can go to supermegacorp.net/slash/masterclass/slash/53 for the very first time. Cool. Catch you next time. Bye.